good morning, guys. It's really good to, to be uh, here with you all. My name is Kyle. Um, I don't know if we've met. Um, if not, I'd love to meet you after this. But yeah, I'm on, I'm on staff here with Cornerstone. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I'm just really excited um, to bring the message uh, this morning. We're in the, we're right now, we're in the middle of this uh, kind of this series called like the big picture. What is this, what is this big picture um, all about? Uh, I thought about, I thought about um, bringing up this, this uh, picture for you guys, this picture that's kind of a sub picture. It's not the big picture. It'd be a little picture, Um, but I didn't, I just, I decided against it, but I'll I'll count, I want to walk it through you guys because I'm, I kind of like um, shapes. And then once I describe this, I, I want to tell you guys a little bit about myself and, and why this shape, this particular shape, I think is, is important. So some of you guys this summer that went out to uh, Colorado LT leadership training, um, you probably learned about this tool called the three circles. I think that's, is that still a part of LT? I don't know. I'm getting, okay. So the three circles is still a part of LT. Um, if you don't know about Colorado LT, um, I'd love to talk to you about that as well. So um, afterwards, come and talk to me. So yeah, it's called the, it's called the three circles. And the, the three circles is just, it's just a tool. It's just a, it's just a tool in which we can share the gospel, that we can walk through the story of the gospel. And what is the gospel? The gospel um, is just the good news of, of Jesus. And, and, and so it kind of, it, it starts with, um, if you can imagine, circles. Uh, that's why it's called the three circles. So in the top right, we kind of have this circle. And uh, I think that's a lot about, man, that's like what Mike talked about the first week. So I don't know if you were here. Um, this is part three. So the first week was all about this, this first circle um, where we're in perfection, that we were made to worship, um, that we were made to worship, that we were in the garden, we were with God, we were walking with God, um, that everything was kind of perfect. There was like this harmonious um, continuity between man um, and the rest of creation and God and just this, this perfect unity. And then last week, we kind of, um, Mike kind of talked about um, what would be circle two, that whenever through the fall, um, I feel really weird being off to the side. Like Lucas is kind of like side eyeing me right now. It just like made eye contact me. I was like, this kind of feels weird. Um, so don't worry, I won't keep talking about you. But um, so yeah, over here we have circle two, and that that's kind of like man, that's that's what's broken is that that we believe that sin has kind of come in, and that um, we have. Um, this brokenness, and so Mike um, asked like these questions of what like, what do you think is is wrong with the world, and how can we fix it? And so the idea is, is that um, in this in this circle is is that that we can all sense that something is broken, that something is off, that like whenever we look around the world, it is not it is not hard for us to see what is broken. It's not hard for us to see um, maybe where things are off or where maybe we need a course correction. Um, and the ways in which we try to get back um, are these ways in which that we are trying to fix this problem that we have. Uh, and then this, this third circle is the answer to that question, is, is how can we fix what is broken? How can God fix what is broken? The point is, is that we can't fix it. That God, that God is going to fix what is broken. So we have like kind of this perfect unity, and then we move over here into um, brokenness and what is broken and, and how do we fix it. And then down here we have maybe what God's solution is. And I think a lot of, 
of like what I, whenever I thought of that, I thought of, um, Sarah brought this verse up at our staff meeting a couple weeks ago. I, I think it was Sarah. Um, it was like Isaiah 43, 19. It says, behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do not perceive it. Or do you not perceive it? It will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. That, that we go from perfection to brokenness to the solution. And, the, and Jesus is the solution that Jesus, this is in the Old Testament. So this is God saying, this is where I'm going. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. He's not, he's not saying I'm doing it right this moment. He says, I'm in the process of doing that. And you will see the culmination of that. And it's behold, I'm doing a new thing. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about what, what is this new thing? What is, what is the solution to the problem? What is the solution um, to the problems that present themselves in the world? And whenever I think of like a, a new thing, I just instantly hop back into uh, when I was 19. I was 19. I was a sophomore at the University of Missouri, MIZ. Nice. I got a couple. Um, Mike likes to make fun of me because I see people every week wearing Mizzou shirts, so I yell at them, M-I-Z, and nobody <laughs> ever responds. Everybody kind of stares at me. Um, I did have one person that did say uh, Z-O-U. Uh, that was like the first week. So if, I, if you ever wear a Mizzou shirt, I'm probably going to yell at you um, and yell M-I-Z if I see you wearing it. Um, so anyways, I was a sophomore um, at the University of Missouri, and um, my freshman year was just kind of a wash. It was terrible. Um, like two weeks into my freshman year, I was on the I was on the swim team. Um, I was a walk on, and uh, I dislocated my knee. Um, and I did that multiple times uh, my sophomore or my freshman year. And so, kind of just I had like um, this athletics thing taken away. I had like this group of friends back in Kansas City, but me being um, two hours away, we kind of just lost touch. We kind of lost contact. Um, I'd kind of always been a good student. Um, well, I don't actually want to say it. I was not a good student. I got good grades. Um, so I, I really just didn't know like what my freshman year was about. So, uh, like these kind of three things that maybe in my high school. Um, career that I felt like I had built my life around, like kind of all um, throughout, like systematically were removed from my life in my freshman year. And, and coming into my sophomore year, I was like, God, like, I actually wasn't a Christian at the time, so I wasn't saying God, but God was doing something new in my life. God was paving a way. God was removing these things that what I would say now is God was removing these things from my life in order to bring me into his presence, that he is kind of just doing these things. That's why I love, um, I, I, I really, I, I love um, the college calendar because I think we have a ton of, of um, points in the year where we can kind of reflect and we can say, man, God, like, what are you doing? And like, we can, I think we can really see God. What, what is something new that like, man, some of you guys are freshmen right now. Some of you is like, man, like, what do I want the next four to five years of my life um, to be about? Some of you are seniors and you're like, what do I want my last year to look like? Some of you um, are graduated but still living in a college campus, so you feel like your schedule is still dictated by semesters. You know, it's like we have like New Year's. That's a great time to think about what is happening new. We have the beginning of the school year. We have the end of the school year. We have like the summer. Um, we just have all of these places in which we get to ask like. God, what is something, what is just something new 
um, that you're doing. That's why I says, whenever I came into my sophomore years, like I, before as a Christian, I knew I want something different for my life. My freshman year did not go the way that I wanted it to. It didn't go the way that I thought it was going to go. And God was not yet finished writing my story. He just wanted to begin it, actually. I think that that maybe is what God is inviting all of us to, is that he wants to either write something new for our story or just continue on what he has already been writing. Would you pray with me before um, we hop into this? God, um, yeah, we just come before you. I'm just excited um, to say uh, that, we are, that we are with you, that you are for us, um, that we believe that you are just writing, yeah, um, a beautiful story. I pray that even today that that can just be a continuation, that we would see today that, um, that no matter where um, we are at in that, um, that we can continue to give you um, the glory and that you would just continue to make yourself known to us. And we pray, amen. Um, so kind of uh, uh, the basis for, um, for what we're going to be talking about today uh, is 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 19. Uh, I really uh, um, enjoy this section of Scripture. Um, 2 Corinthians in general, it's, uh, it's the second letter that Paul um, writes to the church in Corinth. And this is that little snippet. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting us the message of reconciliation. So kind of that, that first verse is, is uh, verse 17 is, is just, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. I think that's just like a foundational piece of what this new work that God is doing is that we are new creations, that if we are living in this broken world, that we by nature are broken, that I don't think it, it, it takes us very long to recognize that the ways in which that we fall short and that we want this transformation that we desperately want to have that wiped clean, that, that we, that we um, preciously want to believe that a new creation has come. We want to believe that we are new creations, that we believe that, that we are God's created work, that we are beautiful, that he, that he sees us and that he, he looks at us and he calls us good. And so what, what exactly is, like, what kind of constitutes um, this new creation? And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of break it up in, into, into three uh, different parts. Um, I believe part of being a new creation is that we are given, like, a new heart. And kind of how I'm defining that, how I'm going to talk about that today, is that we have, um, that this new heart is an affection for Jesus, he gives us, I believe, a new mind. And I think that is kind of just like our, our fuel for our affection, for that affection. 
with us a new mind, fuel for our affection for Jesus. And then I believe at the end that, yes, that we are given this new identity. That's just kind of the culmination um, of our affection for Jesus. So I believe that part of that being a new creation is that, yeah, that we have a new heart, that we have a new mind, that we have a new identity. So yeah, I want to just take this one step at a time. So yeah, we have new heart. When I say that being a new creation is being given a new heart, I'm talking about the inside or that our transformation, not the outside of like our moral conformity, not the outside of us like following the rules of Christianity. No, that the inside of us is transformed. I like this, this passage in, in Ezekiel that it's this promise that, that God is giving to his people in the midst of, of um, um, being displaced in the midst of, of kind of a time when, when God um, is uh, doing something different. So it says, and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my, in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. One second, guys. I like to play with things. So I need to give Dan my earpods. Don't steal them, Dan. Yes, that Ezekiel God is saying that I will put my spirit in you. I will give you a new heart. That what he is saying is, is that, man, historically, as people that we have not maybe had this pure affection for God, that, that in, our, in our ways, like we can get distracted, we can go to all these different things that surround us, these shiny things, whether that's a new job, whether that's someone, something else to worship a different way, an easier way, whether that's, um, you know, a relationship that, that could be um, drugs and alcohol, that could be um, a, a, like a, a, a litany of things, um, that distract us. And, and God is saying, like, I want to insert an affection in you for me. That we, that part of being a new creation is that having an affection for God. I think constantly, um, despite all of, of um, David and the Old Testament shortcomings, God continuously says, David is a man after my heart. That despite even um, where he falls short, that, that God is, is forgiving him because he knows in the end that, that, that David is going to come back in repentance and say and, and, and worship God. That that changes his affection. That, that, that affection for God changes the directory of his life. And it's out of that new kind of primary vertical, like that, that our new heart um, is a vertical looking that, that kind of changes um, out of horizontally. Um, I, I think of this um, before, whenever I was at Mizzou, I was a part of this church called The Rock. And, and John um, Drage used to, he, he liked making things, um, like kind of like images. I wish I had this like prop that he had. It was this kind of like, it was made out of wood and it was heart and it was a heart. Um, it was in the shape of a heart. Um, so, uh, so John had this big piece of wood that was a heart and it had kind of two pieces of PVC pipe. 
one coming down and one going out. And so it was like this idea of like whatever is coming down from God, that if we are connected to God, then that transitions out. If you can picture that with me, I kind of wish I had this thing now. It was like, it was kind of wonky. It was kind of really bizarre. Um, and, and I think he probably had this for like 15 years. Like if you would go meet in his office, it was just kind of sitting in the corner. Um, I can kind of picture it right now um, that if I was in his basement, um, we could look at that. And, and even he would bring it up probably half the times that we were talking. Um, he also had this yoke that he made um, out of sticks. Um, I'm just like getting kind of off this tangent. He just had all these weird things in his basement. So if you guys could picture that with me, I wish I would have made one, is that um, this heart transformation is an extension of God and us going out. And I thought, um, I, I don't know if you guys were with us, but a couple weeks ago, uh, Taylor gave um, her story, or she gave a, not a, her story, she gave us um, a little insight into maybe what God was doing. And I think she summed up this point very, very well, is that she was talking about maybe how she came into college. Um, she's a junior right now, right? Junior? Nice. So she came into college um, two years ago, maybe with like this idea, this vision um, of what God was going to do over the next four years. And maybe what she is realizing is, is man, that wasn't God's vision for my life. That was Taylor's vision for her own life. That she had this, this um, kind of vision of, of graduating, finding a nice job, maybe getting a, a house on the beach uh, and, um, and retiring on the beach, which sounds amazing. Uh, if you like the beach. I don't think, I, I, it wouldn't be me. I think I'd rather, I'm a mountains over beach guy. Um, but who doesn't like a good, uh, nice little uh, beach time unless you're Dan and then you'll just get roasted out there. Sorry, Dan. Um, so Dan's probably a stay in the house kind of guy. But <laughs> Taylor was saying what she said was, is that was what I wanted and that God is rewriting that story for me. That God is, is changing my affections, that maybe my affections were to get a nice, secure job and to do X, Y, or Z until I can get to this house um, at the beach. And, and Jesus is, is inviting her, saying, Taylor, is that, is that your dream or is that mine? And saying, I want your affection to be me. This will come. I don't know what this is. Taylor may or may not ever get a house on the beach. If you do, Taylor, please invite me. Lucy and I will come out and hang out um, on the beach. Um, but God is rewriting her affections. People constantly ask me, I constantly ask me, um, just in a, a moment of um, of. Um, self-reflection that I just want to give you guys is that like I um, this summer um, I just spent a lot of time with the Lord asking this question like why am I doing what I'm doing why am I on campus um, I, I'll be real I like I I really considered like quitting and doing something else but I I, I, I view I just went back to like whenever I was 19 and God changing my life. And I was like, man, that, that's what I'm excited about. I just, I didn't even think I would cry. Um, is that, yes, that, that God changed my affections. That my affections became him. 
Um, and that, that, that heart changes, yeah, just seeing the gospel known on campus. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm still here. But I think people ask me that, like, God, why do, why do you do what you do? It's like, well, man, I love God, and I, and I love his people, and, like, I want to see college students worshiping Jesus. That whenever I came in my freshman year, I was not looking to be a part of a a campus church. I wasn't looking for any kind of church. I wasn't looking for God. I was just looking for I don't know what. I was looking for something. And God transformed my affections. Where might God be challenging your affections? I feel like these uh, these affections are almost um, like on the on the dashboard of your car of like having like a check a check engine light on. I don't think all of our affections are bad. I don't think even that our affections. Um, I don't even think like like in in the case of of Taylor of like man wanting a really good job. That's not that's not a bad affection at all. Um, but is it is it for your is it for your gain or is it for God's gain? Are your eyes directed on the Lord? Or are your eyes directed on the prize? I think that's a lot of times it is like, man, we had our eyes on eyes on the prize. Yeah, what can it look like for us to build this affection for Jesus? What can it look like um, to continue to, to redirect our eyes? That whenever we're tempted um, to put our eyes on, onto X, Y, or Z, what if, we, what if we reject those things and first say, I, I want to put my eyes on Jesus? This, one, this next one is, is a new mind. How can we fuel this affection for Jesus? So it's like, man, once we, we start to get this, this, this mind, I think, starts to, starts to transition our view into um, other things. That once we've been given this heart um, that loves Jesus, we start to have our mindset changed. That our mindset is to look up to God, to look at God so then that can have this outward effect. Paul, whenever he says it, he says, whatever is true, whatever is, never, whatever is noble, whatever is beautiful, think of these things in the way, think of this in God. Think of all of those things in God. I think even um, that's where that comes in is, is like, yeah, like our, our affections, these things that maybe draw our attention away, is that what if those then become fuel for the ways God, in which God is blessing us? or ways in which that maybe God is using those different things. It, it just changes our mindset from our, from our circumstances that we don't focus on those circumstances. Rather, we focus on um, God, the author of all of our circumstances. I think um, John Piper puts it this way. Um, he says, um, God is most glorified when we are most satisfied in him. 
so that whenever we start to look at like our circumstances, whenever we look at this nice job, this nice job isn't to where we go and we worship that or these good grades. We don't go and worship the good grades um, or whenever we have like, man, just a fire cup of coffee on a Thursday morning with two of your friends sitting in your living room. Um, yes, that is good. But what is good about that is that God gives us these good gifts. That was a very obvious, um, a very specific thing um, where uh, I, I was just, um, I was kind of writing the sermon on Thursday night. I was working on it a little bit, and I was just praising God. Um, I had Quinn and, and this guy, Josiah, over to have um, some coffee in my, my living room. And um, I just remember being kind of overwhelmed by that and saying, man, God, you are good. Even in the midst of me being tired, even in the midst of, of um, maybe me being exhausted or being nervous about this, this teaching on Sunday is, is that I get to take this time um, to spend with my friends doing something that I love, and that what that what does that do in my heart? Like that stirs my affection for Jesus. What what are those things that that stir your affection for Jesus? What are those things that that keep you going? And sometimes it's like even through the circumstances that are bad, that, that we need those good things to keep us going. That I believe that not that God is, is placing these bad things in our life, but I believe um, that in the midst of those, God is still good, that God is still asking for our affections, that whenever we have um, a loved one pass away, whenever we um, don't get that job that we want, uh, whenever we break up with that person that maybe we thought we were going to get married to. Whenever we have um, just things that like we can't explain, I believe God is, is still in those moments, that God is both the giver of good gifts and the comforter when times are hard. That whenever we have this affection for Jesus, that, that changes our mindset on these things. Um, the next one is, is, is new identity, this culmination of, of our affection for Jesus, that, that whenever I believe that we have come into the fold of God, that, that we are just given a new identity. Uh, that, I don't know if you guys know this, I, I really like giving nicknames. Uh, whenever I was, not, when I was 19, um, whenever I first became a Christian, I didn't feel like I fit in to the church at all. Um, I, I had a mouth. Um, I, uh, um, I like that Grace laughed at that. That's funny. Um, I, I would love to know why that was funny. Um, I, uh, I wasn't really interested in God. I was more interested in, in girls. I was like that, that guy that came in that's like, man, I don't actually like that you're here. Um, I like that you're here, but not really. Um, you make my job hard. Um, I, I was just rough around the edges. And, and my friends gave me a nickname. Um, everybody in my group at that time had nicknames, and, um, and I took that as my Saul to Paul moment, that I was given this new identity, that I was, I was finally accepted by God, I was finally accepted um, by my peers, and that was like an incredibly powerful moment for me. Um, Emma always says, she's not in here, unfortunately, um, I don't think, um, but she always says, hey, what's up, Chuck? My nickname was Chuck Wagon. Um, if you guys want to call me that, that's fine. Um, I, uh, I believe that that was like this new identity. That is why I, I do that. That's why I extend nicknames onto people. Um, don't take it personally if I haven't given you a nickname, um, but if you want one, I'd love to give you one. Um, 
I believe this is a part of that. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. That I believed, I, I said this, I changed my Facebook profile from Kyle to Chuck Wagon for two years because I believe that Kyle was crucified with Christ and that he no longer lived, but Chuck lived with Christ in him. That I took that so, so inappropriately that I was like, I am going to be a new person. My mom made fun of me and still makes fun of me. She would like look up. She's like, I can't even find Kyle on Facebook. It's Chuck Wagon. Um, and, uh, and like th th this happens so much. Like my mom went to this coffee shop. She recognized my roommate. She said, hey, like you're my son's roommate. This guy looks at her. He's like, I don't know who this woman is. Um, she, he's like, yeah, you're like Kyle. And, and he was like, no, nah, I don't live with anybody named Kyle. And, um, and finally my mom looks at him and says, Chuck Wagon. And he looks and goes, oh, you're Chuck's mom. That's funny. Yeah, I live with that guy. Um, that this is what I believed, that this was like a part of my transformation is, is that I was no longer Kyle, that I was somebody new. That is how God views you. That anything that you have done before Jesus, that anything that you have done before no longer counts against you, that you are a new person, that you are a new creation. I hope that every time you guys read um, Galatians 2.20, that's what you see is that, man, Kyle is not here anymore. This is, this is God living in Chuck, I believe that that is what God is doing that for, through all of us, is that now, through God's imputed righteousness, that God lives inside of us so that whenever God sees us, he, know, he doesn't see this over here. He sees you and he sees his son, Jesus. And that is what this ministry of reconciliation is that, that, that Paul is talking about at the end of Corinthians that says, um, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he, and he has committed to us a message of reconciliation. That, that God has this divine initiative that... that um, that Paul is, is urging us to recognize is that, that God is interceding on our behalf. That is, the, that is the something new that I was talking about at the beginning, that this new thing is, is God is interceding on our behalf, that God no longer views this old, um, this old way of living. He only sees the new. Ephesians 2, 5 and 6 says this, even when you were dead in our trespasses, when, even whenever we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Um, I have this like picture that I wanted to show you guys. This is like just another um, thing. So I, this is kind of like my humor. Um, so this guy says they should give all the college debt to one guy. Everyone else is clear. One guy, $2 trillion in the hole, but no loophole for this guy. His punishment should be real and meaningful. And then this other guy says, this person just accidentally preached the gospel. Um, I had a lot of you in mind. I had maybe one of you in specific um, in mind that maybe doesn't uh, isn't stoked about paying back um, student loans. And what what like who is pumped about paying back student loans? I don't think anybody is. Um, 
this is just a very clear uh, example of like what the, of what it's like for the gospel that we get to cast all of our debts onto one person, Jesus, and He has to take the full punishment of that. No loopholes that Jesus takes that, and now we are we're debt free. Um, that is that's the gospel. Um, that is like the reconciliation. This next one, just the part of it that, that Paul's talking about is like this ministry of reconciliation, that as recipients of God's reconciliation, we are entrusted with this task of, of extending reconciliation with other people. But I think even before that is, is be, be reconciled with God, that God's tool of reconciliation is Jesus. Um, hey, Matt, you can skip the last point. I'm trying to I'm trying to go fast. So what what is our response? What is our response to this new creation, to having a new heart, to having a new mind, to having a new new identity? What um, can be this response? I think the first one is yeah. Well, embrace your identity. Embrace this this identity as a new creation as a son and daughter of Jesus? What does it, it look like to go out and say it? I think if you had all of your student loan debt just cleared, you would go out and talk about it. That people would be able to know that you would embrace that as somebody free. You might go buy something new. You might just go buy like, I don't know, what, what's something you want to buy, Sydney, right now? If you had like an extra $30,000, what would you go buy right away? No idea. Crystal, what about you? A car, okay, there we go, a car. Um, maybe you want to go see the Buffalo Bills play in the Super Bowl. Um, whatever it is, is that you would embrace, you would embrace um, that identity as being debt-free, that you might go out and, and do that. What does that look like for you, embracing your identity? The next one is, is, is um, live a life of gratitude. What does it, what does it look like to, to continue to keep our eyes on Jesus that we get to that if we live in this this world of like gratitude where we are thankful where we are are thanking God um, for um, yeah X Y and Z in our life that that um, that continues to, to keep our eyes on um, Jesus. Be uh, the last one is 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 be ambassadors. That um, an ambassador is like if you lived in another country and you were an ambassador ambassador to the U.S. Um, you would kind of you would be a I don't know, like a spokesperson, you would be um, an advocate. You would be there um, advocating for why the U.S. needs X, Y, or Z. Like that is what um, I think ultimately us being new creations, that us being saved sends us out into the world. If we, if we talk about this um, in that sense of um, the three circles is, is you have um, God's perfection, we have brokenness, we have um, Jesus or this new way, and then whenever it set, brings us back up into brokenness, it, it sends us out. Um, that's how I, I generally talk about. It. So, what does it look like to be um, to be sent out? Um, I want to uh, I want to end by reading this passage in Ezekiel, and and I want you guys to read it. I didn't I didn't put the slides up there. Um, it is uh, um, it is Ezekiel thirty six twenty two through. 32, and, and just over and over again, it, it's God saying, I will. So ultimately, it's starting with God saying, I'm going to do things because I'm God, and then it says, I will. 
Um, so band, you can come up. I, I'm going to read this and, and just think of that, that God saying those promises to you that, that if we are new creations, that if we are in Jesus, those are next. It says, therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, it is not for your sake, O house of Israel, that I'm about to act, but for the sake of my holy name, which you have profaned among the nations to which you came. And I will vindicate the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations and which you have profaned among them. And the nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the Lord God, when through you I vindicate my holiness before their eyes. I will take you from the nations and gather you from all the countries and bring you into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols I will cleanse you. And I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I'll remove your heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You shall dwell in the land I give you and your father's and shall be my people, and I will be their God. And I will deliver you from all your uncleanness, and I will summon the grain and make it abundant and lay no famine upon you. That God is desiring to give you these things. That those are the promises of God providing for you and for me. Would you pray with me? Uh, Jesus, um, yeah, we just praise you this morning. Praise you for what you did on the cross, that, that, um, that you are taking um, all of our sins away, that you make us debt-free. Jesus, we just say that, that we worship you this morning. Amen. Good morning, church. Uh, my name is Andy Newton. I am one of the deacons here at Cornerstone. Um, first, thank you, Kyle, for sharing that word with us. Thank you so much for that reminder about the new affection, the new mind, the new identity we have in Christ. Um, so at this time, we're going to take a uh, turn to a time of communion. The way communion works here at Cornerstone is that in the back, we have a table set up with juice and gluten-free bread. Um, and then just specifically... Um, over the next two worship songs, you can, at your convenience, go back and partake. Communion is specifically a, uh, an act for believers to remember Jesus Christ's um, sacrifice for us. Um, I heard a really great uh, Martin Luther quote this week, um, and I just wanted to share that with you. Martin Luther said regarding communion, I go here and I touch these elements and I remember the truth of who I am. I am redeemed in the Lord. Now, for those of you who may not yet have a relationship with Christ, I first want to say I'm so glad you're here. Um, thank you for having the courage to step out of your comfort zone and join us this, this morning. Um, I just, uh, what we would kind of advise though regarding communion, communion is an act for believers. Um, so it is okay to hold off at this time. Um, and then as well as I want to say, um, for those who are needing prayer uh, for any issue, any circumstance, uh, we're going to have people set up on the sides. Feel free to use them at your convenience. So, okay, church, uh, let's turn to time of worship and time of communion.